Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Time for VUC. In our 11th year, with us on our journey this year, simwood.com. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Greenfield Tech. Go to greenfield.tech and see how they can make your tech dreams both feasible and affordable. Our conference bridge is the best you'll ever find at zipdx.com. VUC.me is hosted on Bluehost. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are provided by voxphone.com. And now to our live announcer, where this is VUC 671 for November 10th, 2017, entitled Beyond Windows, OS X, and Linux, Chromebooks, and Tablets. I forgot the colon, though. So we're going to be talking about this in a second, and um, the reason is that, well, one of the reasons is that we don't have a guest, and the other reason is that um, I was considering buying one of these things at some point. Unfortunately, and maybe somebody can comment on this as well, what I've noticed is that the the availability of Chromebooks is much higher in the United States than anywhere else. And I'm talking about the one I was looking at was Asus. Um, and they, any of the models I looked at are not available here in France. They, I didn't look in the UK, did not look in the UK, but their store is very US centric. So there's a very limited number of Chromebook models available in continental Europe. Anyway, uh, Amazon has a couple. When you go to their site, by the way, the, their site, I'm sorry, if you're looking, talking Asus now, you go to the Asus site, they are trying to purvey a lot of their laptops and convertibles. They have some nice looking stuff. But if you want a Chromebook and you want to pay between, say, 260 and 450 uh, there's a very limited choice, at least what I found here. And they're only sold through things like Amazon, and Amazon only has a couple of different models. So that's one of the problems I'm having now, and anybody wants to comment on that, that's fine. Oh, I know that Michael actually has a Chromebook, but you bought it, what, a couple of years ago, right? No, actually, I bought it in the spring. Uh, I brought it in May of this year. Uh, oh. But what I bought, and I'm, I'm quite prepared to share it, uh, share a picture of it as soon as I get my little um, NDI camera loaded. Um, what happens is I, I'm strip is visible. Okay, I um, here's, there's a little story, and and the story sort of explains it a bit. Um, we were going to go on vacation to um, where were we going? Oh yeah, we were going to Hawaii. Um, we went on vacation to Hawaii. We did, and um, and my wife wanted a laptop for the purposes of this vacation, which she's never owned before. And uh, over my shoulder there on the little wine fridge, you'll see my Lenovo, which I quite like, but it's kind of vintage. Um, so what I did was I set up a profile for her on the Lenovo, said it's yours, you can have it, made it as it so it was as if it was her desktop. And, and she does not like to share. So 
ZipDX had a little project that involved using some low-end Chromebooks. And I thought, okay, I'll get a Chromebook because if I'm not doing this kind of video production or Photoshop work, I'm in the browser anyway. And uh, But what I did is I went and I got one of these, which I will now switch to. Um, this is, my apologies for the quality of the video, but this is a Chromebook Pixel, which is the 2013 version of the top-of-the-line Chromebook that was $1,200 when it first launched. And you can't really tell, but it is a beautiful metal alloy case. Yeah, it um, looks quite uh, Apple-esque, doesn't it? It looks like a... It does. It, it is a splendid machine. And if, if you go look at any of the reviews of it, they're, they're fantastic. It came with uh, LTE built into it and uh, a special Verizon deal where you get 100 meg a month for free for the life of the machine. 100 Although meg? Verizon, yeah, yeah. Verizon reneged <laughs> on that offer quite quickly, in fact. And, and uh, I, I don't know how many Google sold, but it's a splendid machine. Not at $1,200. That's... That's sort of outrageous. Um, but you could buy them in the spring for $350. And so I, I thought that, well, okay, I'll get one. Um, it's, it's so nice that I went and looked for the 2015 second generation version of it, which had um, a faster CPU and much improved battery life. Uh, but those are very, very rare. And if you can find them, even used, they're still going for a grand. But they're hard to find. Uh, but this one, so it's, I've had it, I guess, six months. It's a splendid machine. I, if you're in Chrome, I love it. And uh, how much did you pay for that one, Michael? 370 US. That has got to be a bargain. Yep. Yeah. And it, 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 it's one of these things where if you just close your eyes and grab hold of it and type on it and whatnot, it feels like you have a MacBook Pro in your hands. Um, okay. So, that, so the hardware is definitely a plus. Uh, what other pluses or minuses? have you experienced with this? Um, well, the hardware is great. The display is great. The keyboard is quite good. It's backlit, which I like. And the uh, LTE, uh, you, you don't get to use that. Because well, you know what? I, I, knowing that we we're going to talk about it, I pulled the little SIM card out to see if I could drop a SIM in it. But my cell phone has a micro SIM and I don't have a regular mini SIM to drop in it. So I'm, I'm going to go get one. Um, I feel that it will work with my T-Mobile account, although I'm not sure if the radio works on T-Mobile's frequencies, but I'm willing to give it a shot. Um, the, the, the downsides are the battery life. This has an i5-3247. It actually has the very same CPU as my X1 Carbon. Hmm. Uh, the battery life on it is not great. It's only about four hours, and it does get warm if you're working actually on your lap. Yeah, that's one of the uh, the, uh, the characteristics of having a reasonably beefy processor in there. It just tends to eat the battery, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, the, the second Gen 1, which has a an i5 50-something uh, series, I mean, a much newer CPU, did get nine hours of battery life. So the the change that, that's very good for an i5 because i5s are quite heavy on battery, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And and uh, the other thing, the other downside to having this one, which is a 2013 vintage, is uh, Google did not see fit. Google has a stated policy of five years of software upgrades for Android and Chrome devices, 
but they don't do BIOS updates. And because they don't do BIOS updates, uh, this one will never see the release of Android that allows it, or the release of Chrome OS that allows it to run Android apps. Uh, there are people, a handful of people who have sideloaded an Acer release onto it, which then allows you to run Android apps alongside Chrome OS. But um, I tinkered with that this week, but didn't have enough time to actually get it done. Um, so what, what are we getting at? Oh, it, it has a display port on it. If you want to watch Netflix, we actually used it for watching Netflix on a big TV. We took a display port HDMI adapter and, and that worked fine. Um, I don't have any complaints. If, if anything you can do in the browser, you can do on this machine and well. In fact, I, go ahead. No, I was just going to say two things. From going back a minute or two, I was going to say that I'm sure the battery, the decision of the uh, the amperage, the the strength of the battery is probably partly the weight because these have to be lightweight. Otherwise, they're you know that's one of the things that a Chromebook is is lightweight like a MacBook Air. So I'm assuming that uh, one of the decisions they had to make, the compromise on the older Pixel, uh, older Pixel, yeah, it is a Pixel, right? It's called. That's another thing, by the way, that Google and their Pixel phone and Chrome, anyway, everything's a Pixel, right? Yeah, they're getting a little confusing, yeah. Uh, um, but anyway, that must be a consideration. The other thing is Bob Bowles said, and of course we would all say amen to this, any Android SIP client working well on Chromebook would be great. Would be awesome, he said, to quote him properly. Yeah, well, and so what surprises me, and I'm getting a, a USB headset out here just because I'm going to need it in a minute. I will join this. Uh, the amount of stuff that just works on the Chromebook when you plug it in. So, for example, uh, USB standard USB audio class, USB audio devices, you plug it in, the Chromebook sees it, immediately sets it up, makes it the primary device. It's just, uh, pardon my French, it's freaking awesome how intuitive it is. Because it, it, you, you don't have to change any settings. It just says, if you've added a device, you must want to use it. So when you, when you plug in a second monitor, it, it will ask you how you want to use it, whether you want to use it as a mirrored output or as an extended desktop, and then it just does it. You don't have to go looking for a setting. Um, is it possible? You, is it possible for you to call ZipDX via their the WebRT? You mentioned WebRTC and IRC. Is it possible to use that client on the Chromebook? Sure. In fact, I don't uh, know what it's based on, but it's we know it's WebRTC, but I don't know if it's. I have the dashboard open uh, just now, so give me a second here. We will get into WebPhone. Allow. Here comes me. Hang on, I'm going to mute uh, myself here. Okay. So this is me on ZipDX. Completely different audio. And we're seeing the lag, of course, but that's normal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that's normal. And I'm, uh, you're, you guys are a bit loud. I'm going to have to turn you down. Um, it, it just works. And in fact, if I were to join the Hangout, here, we'll hang up this. Yeah, I'd, like to do th I'd like to hear you compare the audio on the Hangout because the audio so doesn't sound a um, wideband. Is it the headset? Oh, it, 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 it could be the headset in this instance. Yeah, this is a VXI. It doesn't sound headset. bad at all. I mean, it's perfectly understandable. 
just happen to be close at hand. Um, I can tell you a couple of other tricks about this, but just give me a second. I will I will uh, get onto that and bail on that. Uh, While he's doing that, uh, Bob Bowles is in the. Uh, okay, the there NRC. we go. Ah, here he so, comes. This is uh yeah. So this is the, the now the camera. Okay, it's not a fabulous camera. It's fine, but it's fine. but it's it's adequate. Um, it's got the CPU grunt to do a good job though. And one of the weird things about this particular model is it has a four by three aspect display, which they did deliberately, um, and uh, it's very high res display. In fact, it's so high res, it's comparable to what Apple would call a Retina display. It's so high res that its normal setting is about half resolution so that mere mortals can see it because it's only a 12 inch screen. And you pointed out a couple of days ago when we started talking about this, that uh, when you buy a Chromebook, a lot of the Chromebooks are something like 1370, some weird, they're not really in general. Well, at least say the $260 one, uh, any of the, on the lower end are, are barely 720p. Right. And, and uh, now what we are using them for is a, um, a little project where we use them basically as WebRTC audio clients. Um, but they, you know, they, they do all the right things. And one of the things you should know about Chromebooks is that they're the fastest selling computers, um, certainly in North America now, primarily because school systems are buying them up by the hundreds. Really? Yeah. Um, early on when schools <laughs> were getting, you know, com- lots of computers, one computer for every kid right down to elementary school, they were using iPads and that turned out to be expensive, a manage- expensive and a management nightmare. <laughs> and um, Chrome OS is now the big thing uh, for that. Yeah, because uh, they they can be controlled centrally from an administrative point of view, and they could also be yeah. recycled if they're not giving them away by any. Sh- I don't know how that's working, but uh, schools could. And Bob says every school I know in Eastern Massachusetts is using Chromebooks, just as Michael says. Thank yeah. you, Bob. Yeah. Bob should join us. I mean, he, I think he's on. on yeah, I've, yeah. I've just tried to send him the... Uh, he's, well, he's on ZipDX. For some reason, Bob doesn't link. want to get on the video. but He's, in, he his, he's in his pajamas, I know. Uh, probably. So, so one of the things that I have learned, uh, when Chromebooks first came out, and Chromeboxes particularly, you had to be really picky about what you connected to them. Because if you connected up, say, a USB Ethernet adapter, it probably wouldn't work or a USB audio headset, it may or may not work. Um, these days, though, they're pretty good. You, you, if you plug in a Logitech camera or any standard USB video class device, it's just going to work. Um, USB audio, I even plugged in a Behringer audio interface so that I could get balanced um, audio I.O. And it worked. it just worked, and it worked perfectly. So they're pretty slick in that regard. Who yeah. else has experience? Everybody. Well, James. it's interesting. We, we, we've been talking about uh, Michael's Chromebook, but it's the Chromebook of, of, of 2013. And it's probably worthwhile just focusing on, on what's happened between 2013 and 2017, because uh, you know that um, these things have not stood still. They have evolved. Mm-hmm. Well, um, there is this new, what do they call it? It's not a Chromebook. Or it's... It's the Google Pixelbook. Is that what they it's, call it? it, is, yes. it yeah. 
Okay. It's half the thickness, a third less weight. It has an i7 in it, or it can have an i7 in it. It's a wonderful display. It is, however, you know, 1000 to $1,600. And one wonders what the penetration is going to be at that price point. How, where, does that, where does that machine end up going other than inside uh, Google itself? Well, I think yeah. they are selling them. Um, but the thing to do, obviously, is to do what you did, Michael, and just wait a year and a half, wait till the new model comes up, then snap up yesterday's premium level um, device at half the price. That's not what we do. I suppose that that's what we were doing. Exactly like I did with this one. So what have you got there, Corrado? This is an HP Pavilion X2. It's a hybrid that could be a tablet, touchscreen, but has a keyboard, a standard keyboard like anyone else. Uh, It's running Windows 10 uh, and is now running the Hangout uh, pretty well. If uh, I switch over to the microphone in uh, this one instead uh, you could see probably me now that's from uh, this little the 11 inch um, laptop uh, uh, palm top uh, web top whatever you want to call it the audio sounds the audio the audio sounds good, uh, Corrado. But the um, the image and the you're ob- there's obviously some kind of a connectivity uh, lag or something or processor bottleneck. No, like, definitely is the processor the okay. Item, but I can see you, all of you, perfectly well. Yeah, uh, it's, it's workable, so. but it's not what one would call broadcast quality. No, absolutely not. And by the way, we kind of promised to actually compare a lot of solutions from the. We used, I used to, you know, say iPad, uh, the iPad, the larger iPads, and the iPad Pro are, are are hugely expensive. So if we're going to compare all of these things, you have to figure out a couple of uh, things. First of all, you have to figure funny, out what yeah, what budget. Well, that. let me just finish the sentence, James, and we'll go for it. Uh, you have to figure out. The budget, and everyone knows because this has been this topic of a million articles, uh, you have to figure out what you're doing exactly because you can't edit video. If anybody says you can, maybe you can, but you're not going to be doing anything serious in video. I think that to me there's a key thing which has to do with whether you can run Android apps or not and how limited that might be. And for some reason, I don't know why, there's a very specific list of Chromebooks that can run. It isn't just the Android version, in other words. There are certain hardware that can can run Android. Uh, sorry, it isn't the Chrome version only or the, the age. There are only a certain number, I might say almost a handful right this minute, maybe 10 that can actually run Android apps. This said, and this gets back to my initial comment, uh, James, before you take it, uh, if we're going to compare all of these different solutions, as much as I don't care to own an iPad, the iPad is absolutely the richest app space 
It can do almost anything and uh, with the proper hardware, let's put it that way. So as uh, Michael was talking about earlier, uh, you can do professional video mixing. The iPad can serve as a control surface for it. I know that you can do incredible multi-track audio recording. You can do composition. I mean, you can do anything on an iPad. Now, as soon as you go to Android and you're off of iOS, it's already a little less flexible, maybe a lot less even. There's lots of great, lots of great Android apps, but there are very few that are going to replace any of the creative elements that you can do on iOS. James, take it away. Yeah, um, amplifying, go, go, amplifying on what Randy just said there. I've just got myself a, an iPad Pro. Quite an expensive uh, purchase. They're not cheap. Um, but there are a number of characteristics which, for me, are really important. One of them is this ability to run the iOS apps. And as Randy said, um, the the Apple uh, App Store thing is incredibly rich. You can get an app to do just about anything. And the and the great advantage of uh, of running it on the iPad Pro is you've got this combination of a, a really powerful platform, coupled with the fact that they're they're really good quality apps, which are then sandboxed. And so um, I find that the re- re- reliability of apps running on the iPad Pro is a lot um, better than I would find trying to run a, an equivalent kind of macOS app on my MacBook. Because you know what I'm like. I, I play with too many things and have too many windows. And the net result is um, apps tend not to work too well on my MacBook. Whereas I can turn to my iPad Pro, which has got a big screen, lots of pixels, um, and the thing is almost guaranteed to work every time. And that's great for me. So here's a question about, because we are talking about portability and we're talking about using this stuff possibly on the road or even if it's at home, it's the lightweight thing. What hardware do you need? Uh, Take it from my standpoint, I cannot type on a phone and i don't i'm not comfortable typing frankly yeah. on this on the screen so we're talking now about uh, keyboards yeah i knew you'd yeah, and, I, and i've got a keyboard clipped on the bottom and for this type of thing it really is necessary having That's, said that i think what I is that a, what it, tell uh, us what that is it's a clip-on keyboard but, uh, uh, from who? well you can either have the apple one um dear old simon woodhead decided to go for the apple one i went for the uh, alternative a because it's slightly cheaper, but b it, it was slightly more feature rich, mm-hmm. had more bells and whistles. Um, so we decided that we would then compare and contrast. I think I got the made the right choice, even though it's not Apple branded. Uh, it's a very feature rich keyboard. It does lots of things. Um, but just coming back to what I was going to say, I think I made a mistake. Uh, with the benefit of hindsight, I would not have got the really big iPad Pro. I should have gone for the middle-sized one. The reason for that is that because it's so flipping big, I've ended up with a with a device which weighs about the same as my MacBook Air, and there's really no uh, no benefit in. Well, I've now got two big devices. Um, whereas if I'd gone for the middle-sized iPad Pro, um, if you look at the specifications, the, the screen is actually better on the middle-sized one, and it's. Uh, it's faster and it's cheaper. So I should have gone for that. James, um, I have a question. I have an important question for you. 
Could you now, this is a math question though, so get your pencil out. Could you calculate, no, you need a pencil, you need a bigger pencil, one like this. Oh, oh, oh. James, how much weight would you need to carry in your suitcase if you had a device for every SIM card? Ooh. Well, well, I, if you said every SIM, that would be That easier. you have. Yeah, it, every it, SIM that you have. But, 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 but remember, the SIM is not the card bit. The SIM is actually the code that's in the UICC. So uh, being smart, I say, well, I go for a, a, a multi-IMSI device. Uh, in fact, something like, like this. And again, one of the reasons why I got the iPad Pro <laughs> is it's got an eSIM in it. And so it, um, you can have multiple IMSIs, multiple profiles live at the same time. Right. Um, and I've spoken to a couple of people, and you're the only person I know who's actually experienced this, unless uh, Corrado or anybody else. Michael or anybody, uh, and maybe Bob Bowles, who's listening. If anybody has a device that has this eSIM, uh, I think, James, you may be the only person among us who has experienced yeah. eSIM and set it up. In other words, you've actually set it up, you tried it on a couple of things. Yeah, we, we were anticipating that the new iPhone ten would have uh, an eSIM in it, which then offers both uh, data, uh, messaging, and voice services. But uh, Apple, in their infinite wisdom, decided not to do that. And Google had beaten them off the blocks because the new Pixel 2 does, in fact, have an eSIM in it. Really? Yes, you didn't know that. No, uh, but I understand that all of these eSIMs depend on partnerships with companies. Obviously, TruePhone is one of them. Well, well, with, with mobile network operators. Right. And rather interestingly, the only carrier in invert oh, sorry mno in inverted commas mm -hmm. who is supporting that google eSIM right now is google fi so google's own operator so, what a coincidence um, what a coincidence so they yeah. were that's what that's why they were able to get it out the door so quickly because they didn't have to play with other people i'm i'm sure that apple will be talking to uh, lots of different uh, other operators and and we know what their strategy is that they they tend not to launch first they they put a lot of effort into getting it right so that when they do launch it um it's it's pretty good experience they don't always get it right like uh, remember apple maps Oops. Oops. who doesn't um but um yeah most of the time it works yeah, uh, remember and apple things, maps uh, you've heard me talk about the, my my airpods um, they're actually very, very, very good because they got it right. And even the dreaded Apple Pencil, absolutely magical bit of kit, what you can do with this. Um, so, Michael, you're shaking your head. I know. <laughs> yeah. Mike, Mike, Michael doesn't like, no, he's talking No, Michael, else. we can't hear you. No, he's, he, I think he's, he's on a support. That's why. I think, I think the AirPods are an affectation. I, I, I just have no interest in that however i do have a question for the collective wisdom here and that is um what role does price play in any of this because ipod ipads tremendously expensive Hugely. and one of the one of the advantages of most of the chromebooks is that they're quite cost effective and and so, you know, once you get down under, call it $500 or maybe for some people, 
400 or something like that. I mean, you still have a really serviceable machine. Um, that, that's true. But there, there are other criteria like coolness. Um, going back a year or so, when I used to routinely travel on the train up to London, we used to regularly laugh at the poor old chap who had uh, the Microsoft. Nexus, Nexus 7. No, the the Microsoft tablet thing. I can't even remember what it's called. Surface. Surface. Yeah, we all, always used to laugh at him because it's, surfaces were lame, but Surface Pros actually are are rather impressive. Yeah. yeah let's, but, by the way, let's get into that. You know, now that you mentioned that, and and Michael, you know something about this. I think uh, there's been a couple of generations. How many? Three, maybe even four. The Surface, the initial Surface, only ran Windows NT or not NT. No, <laughs> RT. I'm sorry. Yeah. It ran some yeah. lame thing that was very limited, though. What was it? Wasn't it RT? Was it called? Yeah, it ran. It ran um, Windows RT. It was a, a sort of a dedicated version of the OS for that hardware, for that CPU platform. But very limited in apps and so on. So like a Chromebook, but not hip. Look, looks like Corrado has one. What do you well, have there? No, it's, it's the same device I was showing before, but it's also a tablet by itself. Oh, he's ripped the keyboard off. Yeah, you can but take it. But it off. is but it's running Windows 10, you said, right? Windows 10, but in tablet mode. Okay, okay. Automatically. Sure. Nothing wrong with that. So it's it's a hybrid. Sorry, you said Randy, you said there's nothing wrong with that. It's Windows Well, 10. I wouldn't Windows touch it. You're right. I wouldn't touch it, but I have heard from everybody that 10 is absolutely the best version of Windows ever that's ever come out. Uh, well, that's that's probably yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, no, well, what I, I mean and I mean um, uh, call out for uh, assistance on Windows 10 uh, in my line of business has collapsed literally uh, by 50% uh, since Windows 10 came on uh, instead of Windows 7. So it only took them like 25 years to learn to do it right, I guess. Yeah, possibly. Uh, yeah, but that's, that's an oversimplification, you know, because if you go back years and years, right, they got hauled into federal court for incorporating on, you know, disk. Um, compression stack right that that became an antitrust case which oh. then leads to well things like strategically we we really don't want to incorporate uh, pdf creation into the os because that's yet another example of subsuming uh, a critical function into the os and leading to potential antitrust issues so it's kind of weird but as carrado noted um in wire a couple of days ago things like Print to PDF built into the OS makes perfect sense and reduces your support headache tremendously. Yep. Yeah, and the, the complexity of uh, antivirus, anti, and firewalls, and everything from third parties uh, that you can this this how much you want uh, Windows Defender, it does a basic, very baseline job of protecting the system. So you don't need. Any of the nagware, the, the free antivirus is always offered. Exactly. I just yeah. read today, by the way, that, that Microsoft is, unless this was the Onion and I didn't notice, that Microsoft is offering their, is it Bitdefender? Is that what it's called? The, or the thing that you just Windows said? Defender. Windows Defender. Yeah. It's Windows the, Defender. Uh, it's being offered for OS X and something else. I forgot. Uh, Linux. Is that true? Oh, well. Here again, it's it's is that the is that a joke there. or is that the truth? Well, I, I would I would expect that the uptake that they get from Linux users, I mean, if you've got a something like an Ubuntu platform, probably the last thing you're going to do is put something from Microsoft on it, and <laughs> in particular, 
uh, an antivirus thing. No, one thing is probably what you're referring to is that they are collecting all information from the um, field, from the um, antivirus, from the uh, Windows Defender uh, sensors they have around and offer uh, those information collected to everyone. So it, so it can be shared for antiviruses for OSX or something else. I think I've read something like that. Uh, but it's not the standard Windows Defender, uh, but the, uh, 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 a different platform that is on Windows 10 Enterprise, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's something like When that. I looked it up, it's, there's a thing called Bitdefender. Maybe I'm confusing. Maybe I saw an announcement for Bitdefender, which does say... No, yeah. No, Bitdefender, I don't think, is a Microsoft product, but no. something. What Windows did I Defender see D something, D, D-T-H, D-H-T or something, that uh, is included in Windows 10 Enterprise, uh, in, in all the enterprise instruments, including management of computers and, and accounts. Uh, that is using that collective intelligence and that, that crowdsourcing of uh, what's going on, including new threats, zero days, and then it's offered to some um, antivirus, third-party antivirus platforms. That's something that I have from off the top of my head. I don't remember where I read it. And it was pretty recent, probably the beginning of this week. I, I tell you, one of the reasons why I bought a new computer not long ago was because the antivirus that I was using it released a new iteration, right? A next generation like a not a dot release, but a full release, full point release, and in so doing, it became um, rendered the computer unusable. Yeah, it became more taxing on the computer, and and things that I was doing that were sort of near the edge of the old computer's capabilities just fell off the edge, and and so I ended up buying a new computer. But um, that's because that my old computer had run Windows Seven, it had been migrated forward to Windows Ten, but I already had the antivirus licenses. Now I, I just don't bother with that. Um, Here's what I was talking about real quick, if you want to take a look at this cross-post. Windows Defender okay. ATP. So what is Windows Defender ATP? What is ATP, that? Yes, exactly. It's uh, a different type of product that is uh, on Windows 10 Enterprise. It's not on uh, the standard Windows 10 okay. or more professional. But apparently it considers itself as pretty secret, pretty, uh, pretty cool because uh, it seems to be a big deal. It- I- it considered itself pretty cool. I guess. Yeah. If, anyway. if you think of it this way, though, the, the very fact that, that if, if I'm working at a corporation and I've got several thousand Windows um, laptops and desktops that I have to admin, the fact that the antivirus, uh, a reasonable antivirus is built in is a big win. It is a huge win because it's, it's uh, sort of an item off my tray, off my plate, right? Yeah. That it, that it dovetails with the central management scheme that we've got set up. It isn't something independent. Huge win. Uh, not forgetting the additional cost of yeah. a, li- a number of licenses for an enterprise of an antivirus that, uh, as far as we can see and we can tell for, by experience, will also lowers productivity. So I do have a legit word. In Wire, I do have a question about tablets because I've I've struggled with Android tablets, um, having had Nexus 7s that I loved, but they got long in the tooth and uh, and eventually failed. And now um, 
I bought the NVIDIA Hey ones which are very capable but have been problematic and are now discontinued. So Android tablets, eh? Who makes them? Anybody? Yeah. There are a few out there, but it seems like Samsung and Asus, and that's it. Well, I had uh, a phablet uh, last week, a seven-inch Acer uh, phone pad that was a, a telephone, a mobile phone, and a tablet, seven-inch. Uh, but I couldn't uh, use many of the applications because they were developed for phones. Uh, so the layout and the, the size of uh, the, the, the display was improper. The, the, it wasn't going where it should. So that's based on based on Android. Yes, Android based. Uh, it was on uh, Android KitKat, if I'm not mistaken. It's still there, working along as a, a tablet itself without a, a SIM in, uh, and it works pretty well for the age. But, well, that's James. A good- a good segue to bring us on to just mentioning or just talking very briefly about uh, general Android tablets, because you can now go out and you can get Android tablets of very little. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can use them as appliances. And was it last week or the week before we were talking about bolting them on the wall or you were? Yeah, uh, I yeah. think, yeah. I believe Corrado actually has a tablet in his home security uh, system. Uh, uh, James, yeah. I want to back up for a second because I wanted to ask you a question about the, I, the iOS, the, the uh, iPad universe, which is a very simple one. When they first came out, when the iPad first came out, I believe there were actually developers had to develop two versions to, of apps because the screen was so much bigger than a, than a phone uh, this, I, I guess that they m- eventually moved on to apps that knew to develop, to sorry, to adapt to different screen sizes. What's the situation today? Because what Corrado just said, it's true on Android. I have apps right now but, yeah, on a large it, phone. I'll show you one, in fact, yeah. real quick. Well, because the situation, it's very uh, that situation where you have iPhone apps and iPad apps is still true. It but is. There, but there are some apps that are able to adapt to the size of the screen as well. So um, there are some apps that you can get on uh, both in iPad and iPhone app store. Uh, I think so, the problem was the uh, different types of resolution of different type of retina screens with more pixel per inch. Yeah, so a- absolutely. Really difficult. And it really depends on how modern the app is. Right. Um, whether it can handle it or not. What are you Here's, I'm just showing and as an example. You, even if you can't read that, it says start test. The button on this app, it's sensorly, plus it's a pretty widely distributed. Well, you can see that the button, you can see that the button is half off screen. You can still click it. But That's on Android, isn't it? It is. And, but uh, this is a lot, particularly uh, tall or large screen. Same thing uh, with sorry, the app. Sorry, Randy. What happens if you rotate the screen? I don't think you can on that app. That's another thing. Some okay, apps yeah. will not allow, uh, and you can't. Okay. However, I was about to say that the uh, Tribi app also has that problem because you can't rotate it, and it also had problems because, let's face it, the difference between Android, one of the most important differences between Android and Apple is what? Apple controls all the hardware, and there's only a couple of iterations. In fact, whatever they've made, period. And that uh, simplifies the uh, the complexity it's for for the developer quite a yeah. lot. Well, and for us, for the user too, because it's an advantage. 
uh, one of Apple's main advantages is the same thing as their disadvantage, which is that they are they have a you know fascist regime in place. Basically, I'm joking, of course, but on the App Store, and you could be thrown out, and that's the end. Uh, I, actually, Google probably does the same in Android. But the point is that since they control the hardware, uh, you don't you're not going to have that problem. I don't think there are apps in the Apple Store that would do that half-button thing that I just showed you, for example. If there are, they're not very good apps. Well, it depends because there are multiple versions of SDK, Software Development Kit, for Android, for different platforms and different uh, iteration of the operating system, whereas uh, for iOS, there's just one SDK that Apple has. Uh, multiple manufacturers like HTC, uh, Samsung, and so on that use Android, uh, have different uh, GPUs, CPUs, so it's it's a, 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 a different ecosystem, and it's probably more complicated to unify under a single SDK where you pr prepare an application with that software development kit and yeah. renders the same way everywhere. Yeah, and another like precision about Android. Sorry, James, just uh, I'm moving with the flow here. The other thing about Android is that you have several different uh, iter different versions of an of Android. You've got the pure Google experience, which would have been, I believe you could say that the Nexus 5, right? When it first came out, that was their first phone, the LG, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, that Any phone, Motorola Moto G something. Uh, right, there was, there. that's right, that's right. So there were a couple of, this is called the pure Google experience, where it's just, you, you know, I think you're kind of forced to have their basic apps, you know, Gmail and uh, all of that, Maps. But the point is, anyway, that there are, since then, there have been, Samsung, of course, has their version. I'm not going to say anything bad about Samsung. I don't care for it, but a lot of people are in love with it. I have a OnePlus phone that uses Oxygen, and before Oxygen it, OS, it used, now I'm struggling with the name, but it used another uh, Cyanogen, Cyanogen, which, which yeah. died. I still have a phone that, that uses that. Uh, so the point is, this is another little dilemma with Android. You've got You've got fractioning from hardware, and you also have a little bit of fractioning in software because Android software may not work on your iteration of Android if it's like OnePlus's Oxygen OS. Uh, the good side of that is they put some other stuff in there that you might have liked to have with the Google. Sorry, James, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was going to say well, another really great advantage of uh, Android is that you can run it on multiple platforms including so you've got not only got the really cheap android handsets and android tablets which are incredibly good value for money but you also run android on things like this this is a, a cadas vim you, you might have might have seen it before here's one that i prepared earlier um it's a bit like a uh, a raspberry pi but on steroids and i've got two of these here i've got one running ubuntu the other one this one is running android um and, yeah, it's a really grunty, powerful bit of hardware that you can run some really quite high-end, you know, video-type applications. This one's got 4K support on it, graphic support on it. Um, and awesome, and not a lot of money. And then you can go for things like this. So this is a, um, an, an Android, stick. Android stick, and you plug that into the HDMI socket on your TV. And they get incredibly cheap, but incredibly powerful. And you have access to the, the whole range of, uh, of Android applications. 
um, and relatively bomb-proof because not as bomb-proof as the Apple stuff, but obviously. But sorry, whose Android stick is that? Is that Google? Oh, it's, it's, it, no, it's a generic uh, Chinese one. Oh, uh, one point of order: be careful with Chinese phones yeah. because very, very careful because they are always planted with something that is running in the background to uh, intercept traffic and and so on. So careful with Chinese clones. And as fair, as paranoid as that sounds, it's true. <laughs> it really is true. I mean, I... Then for that Android stick idea, um, do you know any that, that deliver 4K video? 4K yeah, there are. There are. Uh, let's see if we can find a link. Um, yeah, talk about yourselves. And I'll, 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 Meanwhile, uh, in defense of uh, Android uh, and uh, the comparison between Android and Apple and how easy it is to develop on the platform, uh, iOS is closed source. It's, the source of that is not unknown, whereas Android is open source. So anyone can take the core of that and add on, like Samsung did, their own skin, their own applications that are integrated in the operating system so deeply that you cannot remove them. So uh, it's a different paradigm. Uh, either you accept to be in an uh, enclosed ecosystem, protected and multicoddled by Apple, or you're open to open source. And the scrutiny that comes with that from uh, everyone and uh, the, uh, all the branches that uh, go out and uh, are then different to rein in and get something solid. True. Very true. Right. Just uh, answering your question, uh, Michael, I'm looking at a, an Android 6 Wi-Fi TV box, um, which supports 4K video, complete with remote control. The cost of it, £24.99. Wow. Well, I just bought case. one. And uh, it's got a quad-core pro processor with a quad-core Mali 450 MP GPU, 8 gigs of uh, flash ROM, and a gig of DDR3 RAM. Here is my, um, here's my little project, and, and I've mentioned it before. Uh, it's going to take place in 2019, and that is um, – a digital, a, a streaming media-based digital signage project that will uh, happen at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, um, and and it will basically do use the kind of tools that we use here in the production of the VUC, but talk to an array of 70-inch LCDs uh, distributed around the property there over Ethernet, and I'm I'm trying to figure out what the appropriate display devices because I don't think you can rely on the smarts built into a smart TV. I think it's better to use something like a, a Chromecast or a box like that. I've actually go, sorry, I plan to go Wi-Fi or wired wired. Uh, okay. I actually uh, just the other day was able to unplug our Chromecast because I bought one of these. Whoops. Let's see. Share. What's one of those? Bought one of these. I've told you guys know about this already. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Bought the X9. You know, and these names mean mean nothing. They're all made so by the same. So that's a little Android box, is it? It is. And uh, so as a result, you can put the Netflix app. You can put the Amazon Prime app. You can put the Great, Great Courses Plus app, which I uh, subscribed to briefly. Uh, very interesting. You can put um, MX Player Pro, which I already own a license to. And what's the cost of that? Just, just out of interest. That was about... 
fifty pounds, I would say, something like that. Let me if I can I actually I'm on the order. I'm sorry, it was seventy euros. So that's beautiful. Be re- that must be a reasonably high end one. It does, as you saw, it's it has a little red thing that says 4K, which I can't touch because touch a test because we only have barely have 720p here. But the point is, it works beautifully. It does have an Ethernet. Uh, it'll do Wi-Fi. It I have an, an FTP server installed on it so that I can um, put files on it directly. It has a couple of. USB ports, um, I suppose. It has a couple of uh, of a USB. I don't know if it's two or three. By uh, the way, I'm USB. guessing it's probably got BGN Wi-Fi as well. It has Wi-Fi. It will actually do a Wi-Fi hotspot. You can collect. You can connect to it via its own Wi-Fi if you want. Okay. What about audio connections? Is is it audio solely out through the uh, HDMI yeah. socket, or have you got an external? I. <laughs> wish I could answer that. I think probably it is just HDMI because I don't have any audio, so I didn't look. Let's see if we can. And, and I, I would imagine you probably got support for USB discs on that as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's, well, there's only two, and they're kind of close together. The only complaint I have of all of the – everything I've done with it is that the USB connectors are a little stiff to plug something in, and there's only two of them. So I immediately bought a – uh, a non-powered hub and stuck that on there. I'm just trying to look at the com- compare to I'm trying to find the the specs here. Network TV box full yeah. quad core, 2 gigahertz frequency ultra high blah 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 system. It's Android 6. Um ethernet uh of course it does bluetooth I didn't say. 10100 10, ethernet. That's a good question. I didn't look, but I think so. If it's going to do 4K, it probably has no okay. gigabit. And probably has probably, gigabit. If you probably got a card reader slot on there to take uh, uh, SD. I yep, it does say that, even though I haven't tried it. Uh, video HD takes uh, standards SD, HD, 4K, 2K, Ultra HD, and blah blah blah. It is not compatible. And and what's funny is it says it's not compatible with the Sony Bravia TV, but that's what we have, and it's perfectly compatible. I don't know why they put that in there. But the point is it obviated the need for the Chromecast. And frankly, I have have the first-gen Chromecast. You know, I clicked the thing, kept refreshing the page to get the first ones that came out for $35 plus a $10 whatever it was, credit or something. But they're not really that great uh, because they – it's really hard to get it set up. It has to. You got to get on the Wi-Fi. You can't do the dream, which is to take it with you to the hotel, because you got to mess around getting on the Wi-Fi. So your current preferred uh, TV device is that Android box. That's the only one I have because we got rid of our uh, ISPs box. Right. Interesting enough, I have got one of just about everything, and the and the one TV device that we use all the time now, bizarrely enough, is have a guess. Fire Stick. It, it, no, it is the Amazon device, yeah. What do I well, get for that uh, guess? It was accurate. Yeah, but the uh, re- reason for it is um, some silly reasons. First of all, it, it's remarkably fast and dependable. It just never has any problems. But the other major usability factor is it's got the uh, Alexa speaking remote Voice control. Oh, and you like yeah, that. So, so, well, it's just easier than trying to type things in. Alexa, turn Alexa. my lights on. 
Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and when you want to watch a, a certain film or something like that, you just speak it in, press the button, speak it, and it just finds it for you. It's just, it just saves you. Alexa, I want to watch The Maltese Cross. I I'm sorry, to, I can't find that. Uh, Alexa, show me Randy Resnick. Oh, please. That'll be another half cent for you. Yeah, it'll be a while. Uh, But no, no, it's just that that, that silly little thing of just having the the push push and speak button on the remote control just makes all the difference. Yeah, let's be be frank. Both uh, Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime interfaces on the TV to find something are Awful. Fairly yeah. atrocious, yeah. And you know what? I've tried the remote controls where you flip it over and you've got a little QWERTY keypad. But again, they're fiddly. And, and, yeah. and at the end of the day, you can't beat press the button and show me this film. Uh, uh, let me just interject that obviously, maybe it is not obvious, but you can plug a mouse into this X9 that I bought. And I'm sure they're all the same. You can plug a mouse into it because, yes, you put your finger on something interesting. The remote, this is true of a cable TV controllers too if you're going to look for something and you have to go d d d d d for every letter that's not too comfortable it's very, it's very tedious plus but you need a mouse you, yeah when you, well when you're watching tv you probably don't want a mouse because you're you're on the sofa or something like that and you've got nothing to do your mouse against so uh, i put the you, mouse up next to the tv you probably want to have voice control or even body control where you're doing all this sort of thing what the- was the microsoft thing that did the what well, was that? It's the thing on the Xbox, isn't it? Yeah. 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 What's that called? That's this what is also, Euro, also Eurocentric, gentlemen. Uh, what what Amazon has proven with the Echo, and and you know, Siri comes along, and everybody else comes along uh, as well, is that voice is the natural way to do this stuff. So much so that Comcast, the planet's largest cable provider, is now has a voice enabled remote capability for their own set-top box the they call the x1 platform right and that's taking it to the masses and everybody else now is having to do the same tivo i think two weeks ago um launched a a voice-enabled remote capability for the current generation of tivo hardware which we see when it comes to voice um control voice uis i think it's a close run thing between Amazon and Google. I think Google is because I've got both and the Google interface I find is a lot more intuitive and it, it can do things like uh, recognizing who's the, who the speaker is, whether it's me or Sophie, my wife, uh, and it reacts accordingly. So it gets the context better. Um, but the one that we tend to use all the time is the Alexa one because we kind of got used to it and it works. If uh, speaking of, we're getting close to an hour here, and I like to keep these things fairly concise. We've been rattling on and on and uh, talking about all this stuff about Chromebooks, talking about portables. Oh, I you like must to forget to mention the IoT kerfuffle. Of I'm going right. Thank you for the <laughs> nice segue. Uh, here it is. So Logitech, a couple of days ago, created a huge outcry by bricking, saying that in March or May, I can't remember what date the harmony would be bricked and people bought this hardware well, uh, our friend dan model our friend well i was just going to say our friend dan york did a soundcloud uh, podcast podcast about it and it's interesting uh, there's a much greater consideration here so after the backlash 
Logitech will upgrade all Harmony Link owners, which would have been SOL, by the way, next year. Uh, their, their hardware that they bought was useless. Dan York's contention was that you're not buying this thing anymore because you, you own the hardware, but there's no service. So you're, you know, you, you're, you're, your hardware is worthless. The fact that they came back on this and decided to give people, that's, that's wonderful, and I'm glad for them and everybody else. But uh, the important point is that you buy something, and by the way, the Ring, if, if uh, Ring go, went out of business tomorrow, I guess my Ring doorbell may or may not ring, but it certainly wouldn't do most of what it's supposed to do because there's no server anymore. Yeah, that, that's one of the downsides of those uh, Internet of Things devices. Yep. That yeah. they well, rely on, yeah. Service well, providers. Well, I think we covered this last week we, when we were talking about home automation. Well, this we didn't quite, we, we didn't yeah, quite get is, to it. Yeah, this is why it's so important to have something like a home assistant or equivalent running locally within your home. Which hopefully, if it's open source, then um, things will be supported going forwards. Uh, but it means that your house can uh, can operate without the need for um, things running somewhere else in the cloud. You know, exactly. people, make, people make fun of, or some people have made fun of companies like D-Link because they have security problems or whatever on their cameras. Uh, Michael, you know something about this probably. Uh, I bought the cheapest, lowest level uh, D-Link surveillance camera, and uh, it doesn't depend on the cloud. Yes, you can, with the higher level models, you can get them to record your stuff and do all kinds of things, but it doesn't depend on it. It is a local unit. It will email me directly uh, with motion detection. And comparing that, which costs one-fifth of what the ring costs, something like that, uh, it's actually more effective. I'm considering buying a better camera, because this is a kind of a crap camera. And I mean, it's it was like... A forty or fifty euro D-Link surveillance 40, camera. 50 euros, you're ripped off. I've got one here, digital D-Link unit with Wi-Fi. That's exactly the one. Well, maybe it was thirty. I, paid I don't 18, remember. Eighteen quid for that. Well, by now, yeah, they're they're practically worthless. But the point is, it does the job. It'll it'll email you stills, which means that you've got a, a permanent record if you care about that. If you care about motion detection, the motion detection works as well as the Ring. The Ring costs over two hundred dollars. And if, if I sound annoyed, it's because I am. I didn't realize I, until I, talk. I, go ahead. I don't. I don't get. I don't get ring. I hear people talking, saying nice things about them. No, the only no. thing I don't is, say nice things. I think of is those those people are are not well informed because ring is um, terribly unreliable. Uh, yep. and, and Yeah, they're selling it on the concept of an easy out of the box experience. You don't have not. to fiddle around, but. Uh, Clearly, it's not. And, and I really, I hate to say horrible things about people. And, and a lot of us, uh, actually, Andy and other friends, Andy Abramson and other friends of ours know this fellow, James. And I think you talked to him, uh, Jamie, sorry. I think you talked to him, Michael. And I mean, the human beings involved in this are, are nice people. And I, I don't want to say too much bad about it. But I do want to say that they have a nag screen that comes up every day saying, well, if you, if you click this box, you'd have 15 days free. Then tomorrow it's going to be 14. I mean, don't do that. I opted out of it. Now I'm, t you know, forget that. So the that thing that, barely works. That's why I 
when I did my research, I decided not to go for Ring. No, no. To go for the other one, Skybell. But did you? But did you? Well, I went to America. I went around Fry's and uh, mm-hmm. the usual places. All I could find was shelf after shelf of flipping rings. So Ring, or whoever owns Ring, oh, you can't... Would, appear, would appear to be spending a lot on marketing. We did not mention that Ring ha- has lost a judgment uh, a, a, that they were sued by ADT or something. And I don't want to go into that in detail, but there was a thing that they're suffering from right now. But this notwithstanding, I would just warn people, if you're going to try to do home security or doorbells and stuff like that, check into it. I didn't. This is my fault. Mea culpa. My problem. I learned only talking to Ken Rice that I didn't realize that it went through the cloud for everything it does. I didn't know that. If I would have known that, I would never have bought it. But so, you, can re- you can reconfigure it so that it doesn't go through the cloud. You the ring? Run- yes, you can run your ring with Home Assistant. You're, oh, God. So this is yet another thing you have to buy. No, home, home Assistant is open source. You run it oh. on a Raspberry Pi or anything else that oh. you've got lying around. Really? Uh, yes. You must give me these instructions, James, after well, the show. You weren't right. listening. You weren't listening last week because no. yeah. we were bouncing up and down saying Home Assistant is really brilliant. Well, this Home Assistant the, sounds like something you the, have to go the, buy and install. Yeah. Dan, Dan Jenkins was raving about. and I went Oh, I wasn't. No, I... And, yeah, and checked I'm... it out because normally when Dan says things are quite good, they normally are quite good. Well, then I'll talk to uh, Dan. Instead of you, I'll refer to Dan when, when I need to know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. thanks, everybody. I think that uh, if anybody has final things that we didn't get to. Uh, Just No, a, a very quick note. If you are going to uh, use a system for your own security, you want the minimum denominator possible. Yeah. So something simple, something that is working even if there is a thunderstorm. So the security must be your guideline. If it's just CCTV for the sake of it, do it. Otherwise, stay with the consolidated and safe and well-known as working systems. Well said, Corrado. Anybody else? Yeah, open source is normally safer than buying Chinese off the shelf, I would say, obviously. Agreed. Okay, so Bob Bowles, Bob Bowles, thank you for joining us. Uh, you're going to have to come on the show oh, once in a while. Yes, doors all the way. There he is. Hey, oh, Bob, we're missing Finally you. Finally said a word. It was great to hear friendly voices. Thanks, Bob, and stay in touch, please. And with that, we're going to send a word out to our friend Andy Smith. I'm not going to oh, give Andy. any context there, but Andy. We'll see you yeah. soon, I hope. Yeah, it was good to see you earlier this afternoon, Andy. Right. And you're looking and sounding really good. Absolutely. And next week, gentlemen, Dialpad, Craig Walker and his team. And uh, that we, will be a, a good one because we've been playing with Dialpad, haven't we? Playing? We have been in, doing intensive in-house testing. There is such a lot to Dialpad, isn't there? There is a lot to yeah. it, even though it sounded boring when I first heard about it, but... It's very interesting. So join us next week. We will be back in something like seven days and however many hours. See you then. No codex were harmed in the production of the VUC. Brought to you by IP Communications Community.
with our thanks to Simwood, Greenfield Tech, ZipDX, Bluehost, and Voxmall. See you next week. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.